and welcome to An Evening with Nirvana. It's a podcast where I'm going to be talking to a series of guests from the Dune community and probably some people outside of it uh, in the future. Uh, we're going to talk about level design, map creation, and other aspects of game development. I'm Nirvana, obviously, and my guest for this episode is Tourniquet, or Tourniquet, depending on which part of the world you're from. He's probably best known for his Kako award-winning Mammoth Miasma. He's also the mapper behind Mutabor and Altitude, and he's also the other half of Ocula, uh, which he made with Bemused. He's the master of non-linearity, and he has a penchant for the color green, and we're going to find out a bit more about him today. So, how are you going today, Tourniquet? Hello, thanks. Uh, I'm good. Uh, glad you all are. I'm happy you invited me. I mean, I'm Let's really go. glad to have you on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely one of my big influences, for sure, uh, when I first started. Um, I was wondering, we'll start with sort of the boring question I ask everybody, how did you first get into Doom? <clears throat> uh, my first introduction with Doom was, like many others, back in the 90s. Uh, I didn't have a own computer until like 97. I only had an A500 point, but a friend of mine had a 386 or 486, one of these ABM PCs, and we played, played like a lot of um, these old DOS games, and Doom was one of them, and it was probably one of the most impactful games to both of us. We enjoyed it a lot, and it was really fascinating and it stick to me through all the years yeah and did you like when did you actually start trying to make your own custom content for doom um that was around 2013 when uh i remember um i didn't play doom at all for like like 20 years or so yeah this is very common uh, <laughs> everyone seems to have this uh, like massive yeah. break where they don't play doom and then they they end up coming back to yes so many other things and so many other games mm-hmm. uh, i remember my my younger brother at some point uh at the uh, i don't know what it's called the bfg edition yeah the doom, doom bfg edition which came with uh doom one and doom two yeah yeah and at, at one point I was visiting him, visiting him, and I played it a bit, and somehow it reminded me of the old Doom, but it it's also slightly changed, and it didn't feel exactly like the game I played. But when I came home a few days later, I bought myself the classic edition of Doom Two and started playing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoyed it a lot, and feel like coming back to childhood in a way. And my real first contact or how I got into Doom modding was, I don't know uh, if it was just a happy accident that I stumbled on YouTube uh, upon, at that point, Ocoplog was still uploading videos Uh, on his channel and he did a lot of Sunder. And I stumbled upon this and I think the first video I saw was um, Map 8. Yeah. And was something I had never seen before. It just completely blew my mind, especially uh, at that moment when the wall is lower and you get this huge cloud of packers yeah. coming upon you. It was just mind-boggling, and I just had to think, see more. And at some point, I started downloading the first watts. Uh, Sander was 
first one I played in this point. And I think for the first three months, I was more into playing and I got a bit interested in speedrunning, um, maxing the maps on ultra, ultra violence. Yeah. This was like the first months when I spent with the game after so many years. Yeah, I mean, that um, is a pretty big jump, because you said you basically played the original, like, iWords, and then came back, and so Sunday yeah, was the first thing you played after the iWords. It's the total difference, I mean, when you compare <laughs> iWords, you know, was just mind-blowing. Yeah. That is, uh, that is a pretty big jump in difficulty. So yeah. you told me that you had played around with the editor quite a bit before you actually joined Doomworld and, and started like joining community projects and stuff. Um, yeah. Was there like, were you a bit intimidated to release things publicly? Like, <laughs> like you'd only been playing around at, at <clears throat> home by yourself for a while and then you found this big community. Did it take you a while to kind of actually release something publicly? No, I, I already was aware of Doomworld. I was lurking there. I, I think I registered at the end of 2013, but I, I was already there and checked for some stuff. I played some of the slaughter releases, like um, one of the first things I became aware of after Sander was Combat Shock 1 and 2 and all the slaughter pests. Um, yeah. This was one of the first things um, mm-hmm. I was aware of that I played a lot. Uh, Rubik's came into play a bit later. I didn't check that much into uh, new releases. I mean, 2013 was also the year when Rubik's came out with Swim with, Swim with the Whales and yeah. Uh, A20XX, but uh, I wasn't aware of that at the point until uh, the CAC Awards. Yeah, I did actually want to talk to you a little yeah. bit about Rubik's later on because uh, you did sort of end up yeah, collaborating with him a bit. But um, before we get to that, uh, you did send me you sent me a couple of maps in the lead up to this podcast, and they were like they were some of your earliest work, and there's. I could like immediately see the Sunder influence, and you sort of mentioned it yourself. Yeah. Um, was a lot of that like the, the the scale of it? You talked about the skeptical, like the sorry, the spectacle of it, and so really, were you trying to sort of recreate that scale initially, rather than necessarily the challenge involved? Uh, I think I'm. Uh, Something in the scenery of Sunder with all these large, imposing buildings, it's something that I really, really uh, like. It's some, uh, somehow I feel a connection in the, in the way of it's something that appeals me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to describe it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, anyways, to get back to your question, um, if I was intimidated, I wasn't intimidated. Uh, to post my first maps on Doomworld, it was more that I'm, I'm always uh, somehow ambitious and uh, I like the challenge of figuring things out myself. And before I, before I wanted to go public with something um, that is rather a lukewarm or amateurish map, I wanted to get at least somehow the basics and become a bit uh, aware with the editor and making maps before I would release anything the public 
that was my uh, thing. My main reason why I stick to myself and didn't release anything right prior to twenty fourteen. Yeah, I think I was a little bit the same. I didn't. Um, I sort of thought about joining community projects very early when I first got to Doomworld and stuff, but uh, I didn't actually end Ooh. up releasing anything proper until much later on when I kind of felt a bit more confident. Yeah, I know. Um, I felt the same. Yeah. I it played your DMP 2014 map as well, which came a little bit after those maps that you sent me. Um, and I think by that stage, it seemed like you had the fundamentals down quite well that like the texturing and stuff is really solid or the structure of the rooms is even like set piece combat fights and things like that in it already which uh is it seemed like like a very competent release for something so early um do you have any specific memories of that map or or not really um not that much the only thing i can remember is that it was one of the first maps where i started playing around with boom features uh -huh. um, uh, like um, visible walls or invisible doors where you could um, like a force field you couldn't walk through until uh, you press the switch and it glowed and you could get through it and I don't know if I was already working with voodoo conveyors but um, general it was one of the, the first uh, second map I was working with boom features it yeah. wasn't originally meant for the, the the Doom World um, project. What was it? What was it named? I forgot the name. Uh, Doom World. Doom World uh, Time of Death project. It was meant. It was. I don't know. I think it was part of like sort of a small release set that I was working on at some point. But um, I gave up on this and I thought, yeah, why? Uh, why not? I just dump it in here and mm -hmm. the rest would. Well, you also released, I think it was the same year. That's what I have here anyway, but <laughs> I've been incorrect about some of this stuff before. Uh, you released, I think, is it Aberincula, um, which was map 21 of Mayhem 2048? Uh, Mayhem, Mayhem 2048, yeah. Yeah, and that um, that's that definitely has a lot of the hallmarks of like what I associate with you in terms of um, aesthetics. You've, there's like a lot of Clever use of mid textures in there, fairly extensively detailed, and you also like it has that green and brown texture motif that I, I feel like I, I mean, I definitely associate that with you after my asthma and Mudabur. Um, I was just wondering, like, would you have any advice for mappers in terms of defining their style? Because it seemed like you managed to do that quite quickly. Um, what sort of things were you doing in terms of playing around in the editor at that stage? Um, I think um, I spent quite a lot of time thinking about defining my style, but this was actually quite a bit later. I think it was more in the time after um, Nova 2 was done. Mm -hmm. um, the main point, the main influence for me to really start uh, working on something um, that isn't uh, straight away trying to copy other authors uh, and doing something of your own was when uh, I worked with Ribix. As a, we can, I guess, we talk about it later at some point. Well, this but, was um, my next question. Yeah, to talk about uh, Anemia, uh, which is the the sort of Death Destiny inspired 
collaboration you had with him for Nova 2. Yeah, but anyway, about that uh, Mayhem map, it was still more like um, copying much of the essence of Thunder uh-huh. combat shot. Um, a lot of in, uh, intricate visuals, but uh, in terms of gameplay, I had a lot of, I had, to be honest, some problems with making good. Uh, my early maps were quite detailed, but I always felt like the gameplay was lagging in some points. It, I spent too much time thinking about looking, making maps look good, but less time about uh, actually implementing real good or yeah. fun gameplay. I think that happens in stages with people for sure, because when I started mm-hmm. out, a lot of my mentality was this should look good first and then i will figure out the gameplay and then as i've mapped more and more the gameplay takes more and more prominence i guess yeah it's i think it's usual that you want to start making something perfect uh-huh. right away from the start um so do you want to uh now if you want to talk about um making that map anemia uh with rubix i that was sort of what i wanted to get into next just talking about um, the process of making that map and uh, what it was like to work with Rubik's at that time. Yeah, sure. Um, it was definitely one of the most happy accidents that I had in, uh, I don't know, I don't want to call my mapping, uh, I'm, I wouldn't call it a career, but it, uh, it was um, Probably a real turning point. Um, Rubik's has been, ever since I discovered uh, Swimmed Wales and started 20x6, it was um, a real huge influence. It probably became um, a lot of a lot of um, my influences started with Thunder, um, Combat Shock, Slaughterfest. Yeah. Um, but this later drifted away and I focused a lot more on Rubik's, Rubik's stuff. Um, at the beginning, it was quite intimidating because um, I I don't know I felt oh, I still felt quite amateurish in comparison to his stuff and hmm. I, I remember I was working on layouts um, but it wasn't uh, really sketched out it wasn't not fully done. Um, Texture team was texture texture team was completely different. It was like um, a lot of brown bricks and metal. And yeah. so the first thing uh, I did, I sent my map over to Rubik's, and he said, "Well, it's alright. Looks quite nice. Reminds me a bit of Combat Shock." And but I think we should um, change the team a bit. And he suggested um, like three different teams. One was um, like a gothic style, was a lot of dark marble. Mm-hmm. Other was um, more like Bretonia, with a bit more green and lines and stuff. And the third one was um, one we ended up with, uh, very red and uh, black. Yeah, the red, red, the red and black. black theme. Yeah. Yeah, this one was the one I, I really like the most. And I started after he sent me back the he I think he 
swapped all the textures, made it made the whole layout I had at this point, uh, changed it to the new theme, sent it back to me, and I started expanding the layout. <clears throat> to be honest, with no real clue about gameplay, I just added random rooms at some point, and mm-hmm. they weren't really a, they were not really defined. And the process where we just swap the maps back and forth. Um, I think one of the most striking points um, was the, by the things that Ribix did was there were two different branches um, completely unrelated and he just opened them up. He just built a huge underground canyon area which um, connected both areas, uh, both branches, and it felt so so revealing. Uh, it was such a genius strike for me, something I never th- thought about at this point, and just showed me how much uh, you can do with interconnectivity, something I didn't consider at all at this point. Mm, that's um, really interesting. No. Yeah. Because the second thing... Sorry, I was just going to say that interconnectivity is something that uh, I associate with you the most. And I, I think um, most people have come to know you as, you know, the person who puts that kind of interconnectivity into their maps. So it's interesting to hear where that influence began and that it was with... Yeah, it, it was it, it was definitely Rubik's who uh, just hit me toward this. It, it wasn't really on my mind at this point. Uh, the other thing... I think this was the first lesson that Rubik's told me. He didn't. We didn't talk that much. Uh, I'm generally uh, rather intimidated uh, due to my not that good English at that point. Uh, back in 2014, it was even worse. And mm-hmm. so, uh, um, he didn't talk that much, and I rather looked at what he did and how he changed the stuff I made and made it so much better. Anyways, the, the inter- interconnectivity was the first thing that um, he really taught me. And the second thing was how we work with contrast. He also told me a few times uh, how much wonder you can, or how much you can do with contrast and uh, you can get away with a lot less texturing as long as you make good contrast. And this yeah. was probably the second and uh, uh, another lesson, the, the other lesson that I took from him and uh, that I stick to even nowadays. Yeah, I think um, contrast in the Doom engine is probably one of the most important things in terms of like learning that lighting is um, more of an aesthetic tool than necessarily about showing like uh, actual lighting sources and things like that, just because of the way the engine functions. Yeah, that's right. So, um, so, sorry, you, you go. Um, anyways, uh, regardless of all um, uh, new influences and the impact that Rubik's had on me, I think I was a bit uh. Worked at some point. I mean, I was mapping since like the mid of 2013, and I did a lot of mapping. Not only the maps I, I released on Doom World, but all the stuff I made um, for myself, and it never came close to any publish publishing. 
anyways, I felt a bit work, uh, work, uh, overworked and the pigs by the time was still working on Sunlast. Yeah. Um, uh, also took a bit off from that map. So I did a break for like two or three months and I just got back to it and just fixed it, uh, brought it all together and made, made like the rest of the map. Um, then I sent it back to Ribix. He said, oh yeah, that's really cool. And he applied some changes as well. I think he did a lot in, in terms of gameplay. I, I don't think I did that much good gameplay at that point. Mm. Um, well, the, the, most... the gameplay, certainly when I was playing it, felt to me very Death Destiny, which uh, I know was a big influence on Rubix. Um, so, like, I could see that it was obviously a Rubix map with... <laughs> Uh, like uh, in terms of <laughs> in terms of gameplay, um, uh, well, I, I wasn't, to be honest, really aware of Death Destiny at a point. Mm-hmm. It, it all came a bit later when I did a bit of uh, history research and do my thing. Of course, it became an influence, but in case, uh, sure, it might be that Ribix took some influences from Death that Death. Dest- Death Destiny at that point, but um, I didn't. Yeah. That's... I think my gameplay was still pretty much just making something now. It's still a bit more focused on aesthetics, but it's interesting yeah. to hear um, that there was like not a lot of actual strict communication, that it was mostly this process of you just see what's in front of you and, oh, well, this looks like it should lead into this and I'll just add this. And it was a lot more of like a natural yeah. kind of organic process. Yeah, I think I also tried to adapt um, Rubik's style. I saw what he made and tried to adapt to him and make something that is somewhat uh, similar or comes close to it. Um, it's probably also the reason why the map uh, seems to be pretty consistent despite being made by two authors. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so 20XD6 and uh, Swim with the Whales, you'd played both of those already at that point? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah. I had, how did the project work in terms of pairing people? Was it people were paired up or did you guys just decide to collaborate? Or No, 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 no. Um, I don't know. I think it was still... Uh, I forgot the name, the project leader. Um, I mean, Dobu Gabu Maru took over uh, Nova 2 at, at some point, but Kildev, that's the name. Kildev was the original founder of the project. And I don't know, I think he came up at some point. Like, yeah, um, it would be nice if we could um, some really experienced mappers who could help out um, comers. And for some reason, Rivik showed up in the, in the thread and was like, yeah, would be interesting to work with something. And I was the first who just posted, yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, <laughs> wow. I would like. And yeah, that is a, a bit of a happy accident, isn't it? That's, um, I yeah, mean, I'm just, glad it happened because posted, we might not have had some of your stuff. Yeah. I posted immediately, yeah, man, I would love to work with, with Rivik and by surprise nobody else posted um, and it asked for the same so i don't know if no one was interested or maybe i was just lucky and fast enough 
but this was how it actually started. Wow, yeah, that is, uh, that's really cool. Uh, so let's uh, talk about the big one, uh, Miasma. So yeah. I'm curious what the, like the beginning stages of that map were like. Did you know originally I want to make something very large and intricate or was it just something that sort of spiraled out of control a little bit? No, I wanted to make something big. Okay. Um, when I look back, uh, it was after Nova 2 was completely done. And the next map I made was uh, the contribution I made for Ultimate Doom in the name only, um, which to me was one of the first really good maps that I made because I took everything into account. I mean, it's a, it's a vanilla map, but um, it's, I tried to make a good layout. I tried to add interesting gameplay. And in terms of visuals, you can't go wild in vanilla, but it, <laughs> it felt like the real first good map that I made where everything just fit together. I take out um, the, the map I took with Ribix because um, I made with Ribix because it, obviously he had a lot a lot of influence and so this ultimate do map was the first good map me one i was happy with totally mm. anyway I, I liked the theme of it and it was like um a base map surrounded by mountains and a lot of new catch and at the point i played a lot of um, I did some history research, let's say that. Yeah. And I played uh, Darkwave stuff, I played Death Destiny, I played BPRD. Uh, Sunlast came out, Sunlast was just a mind-blowing influence. And all of that kind of stick together. And the other influence was um, one of the maps in Nova 2, uh, the one and Mud made. Uh, I think it was map 15, yeah, it was map 15, was just a large, a large map, uh, a large base map um, with a lot of nukes and crannies to explore. Mm -hmm. It really appealed to me that uh, it, um, when I played it, I said to myself, oh yeah, this is something I want to try as well. And this was basically, um, the foundation for me as I wanted to do a large interconnected map yeah. just with uh, a similar team like the team I made for this ultimate map. And together with all the stuff I picked up from playing Darkwave and all the other outdoors. Hmm. Um, yeah, so this was oh, sorry. The, the original this was the original plan for this map. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that you went you went back and did all of this um, sort of research into <laughs> like. Uh... Yeah, it's 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 mostly because uh, Ribix posted um, some stuff about his influences, and he mentioned Death Destiny, and so I was curious to see how the inspiration he took from him. Yeah, probably Skepland as well. I'd imagine was somewhere in there. I played Scapland, but um, was a few years earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just as, um, and BPRD and Dark Wave, I mean, these are all uh, real staples, and a lot of people 
in them as influences, and it's for obvious reason these are fantastic maps. Yeah, I think a lot of them. What's interesting about them, I think, is that they a lot of them represent these sort of core like tenets of gameplay in Doom. So it's interesting to kind of they're really good as like sources to draw from. Um, so I mean, I feel like if there are people listening who haven't played any of this stuff, it might be it'll be good to get their names out there so that people can <laughs> go back and play them again. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, so you talked about the non-linearity in Miasma. I was wondering what your process uh, was for that map in terms of figuring out the different routes you wanted, and is there like a lot of line like sketching on paper for that and actually planning stuff out? Or no, I um, I, I never made any sketches. Mm-hmm. I think it's a waste of time when you draw something on paper and then you. You go to your computer and draw this, the same thing again. Uh, most of my maps are... I build a lot of stuff in my head. Yeah. When it comes to the in- interconnectivity of Miasma, or Miasma um, I just wanted to add something to the table or to bring something to the table um, that I enjoyed from other games. Before I came into Doom, I played a lot of Metroid and Metroidvanias. Oh, yeah. I played a lot of Metroid ROM hacks and the interconnectivity is one of the most uh, appealing aspects of those games for me. And I thought, why not? It would be a cool idea to add this into your own map. And I mean, you can <clears throat> you can't do that much in in Doom in terms of uh, progression like Metroid, um, because you don't have, uh, I don't know, high jump boots or stuff. You get a Metroid, there's nothing. Uh, Similar in Doom, except for uh, weapon progression, and that's what I try to at least implement and um, try to make uh, some of the weapons not uh, more hidden. And you would have to clear out some secret fights or harder fights just to get a better weapon arsenal. Yeah, because uh, um, a lot of Metroid is based around that. Um backtracking of like you've seen something that you can't quite get to and then you go around and explore and you you find some things that allow you to get access to that thing and then you're like oh i can go back and there's that little like aha moment to it which is really enjoyable i like this a lot yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah what was your question again about um i was more about your process of actually sort of building that uh, (coughs) non-linear stuff um Okay. Um, as for my all of my um, nonlinear maps, uh, same goes for altitude and for mutable. Is that I pretty much start in the center and work my work my way outwards. Okay. Um, as for the planning, um, most of my planning actually happens outside of being in the editor. I, to be honest, I only open my editor when I have something I know I can build. I spent a lot of time in the early years. I just opened the editor and tried to build some rooms, but uh, without any real idea or context behind it. And this doesn't lead to a good map, in my opinion. Um, fortunately, I have a pretty dull job and I can often wander off during work and <laughs> I do a lot of 
a lot of my planning about what I want to do uh, during work. And I come home and I got the time. I open the editor and just edit. I think uh, I do one... that too, yeah. But sometimes I'm mm. my memory is not so good, so I might have to like note a few things down and then <laughs> come back. Yeah, to I, gladly I have a good memory. I, I just when I have really good ideas fixed in my mind. Uh, anyways, there weren't many uh, key points of miasma uh, that were I had from the start on. Uh, as far as I know, I only wanted to make. Um, a, a fight in a canyon with a tower. Originally, I, I planned it to be a lot larger, uh, as it ended up in the end. And the other thing I had in my mind was like this huge drop down where you would end up in this dark, techy. Um, uh, I don't know how to call it. This dark, techy underground basement. Where Wait, is that the a... cyber demon? The imp, the yeah, big imp fight with the exactly. plasma gun and the yeah, the cyber. Yep. I think. These two were the um, only points I had in my head right at the start of making my asthma. Everything, everything else was just um, came up on my head during the process of doing the map. Hmm. Um, I think my asthma usually, like people would say, it's a, a slaughter map, and I mean that's that's definitely like it's a reasonable conclusion to come to but i suppose i always think of it as being like fairly reasonable in terms of difficulty uh and the monster counts in your fights aren't, aren't insane uh would you consider yourself like a, a slaughter mapper or, or a challenge mapper like is difficulty a big part of what you're going for when you make maps um it's not my main focus mm -hmm. um i like slaughter a lot i come i came from slaughter slaughter it was one of the first things i i played and it definitely influ influenced me but when it comes to miasma i also wanted to make something that was not only appealing to fans who like hard stuff but also who, who where where a casual player could just hire up the map and still have a fun um, that's why i also um try to hide all the really hard stuff or most of the hard stuff in optional areas and hidden areas. Mm. A lot of the fights were also afterthoughts. I mean, the map was on at some, at some point um, in early 2016. And like the green cave section, yeah. it was actually a complete afterthought after the map was already done. Just thought it would be cool to reward the player with getting all the keys. So I just added this cave section, or like the the other um, hidden section where you can get the second BFG, which is just ridiculous with the archways and the cyber demon. This was also just oh, an, yeah. an after an afterthought. I thought it would cool, and yeah, that's how it ended up in this map. Yeah, well, I think sometimes those afterthoughts are. That they can end up like adding a lot to a map like in terms of miasma the fact that it has so many like a lot of the a lot of what's great about the map is that there are so many little points of interest so many things to find little secret areas and things like that so definitely a good call yeah. to go back and um, add that stuff in uh that's actually something i wanted to encourage players to just um explore and find stuff and 
I mean, I mean, you get to reward rewarded with tough fights, but you also get rewarded with um, some, I don't know, some items, whatever, weapons. Yeah, I think I've talked to a couple of people about this before, and I think, like, uh, for slaughter people and people who like to make harder content for Doom, Doom generally, I think what we tend to like to do is make the gameplay itself the reward for the player, uh, as opposed to is a bunch of health and weapons and stuff after completing something. Uh, a lot of the time it's, you find a secret and it's enjoyable to get this secret because there's more gameplay for you, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sul likes this a lot. He is always happy when he has another hard uh, secret fight. Yeah. <laughs> for example, yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, I would easily put my Ezra in my top five maps of all time in terms of design it was a huge influence on me uh like i spent a lot of time just <laughs> looking in the editor at that map and being kind of astonished by how well put together it is um it sort of it instantly establishes an atmosphere uh with the midi choice and and the texture theme and everything it's sort of iterated upon in interesting ways throughout the map you don't just keep this same theme in sort of the same ways over and over there's lots of different ways that you use color and contrast throughout um i was wondering what your actual process for detailing is uh i know that when you worked with bemused on ocular you sent him like an untextured layout was that the same with miasma was it all completely untextured to begin with and you went back and detailed later or did you do you slowly build sometimes your detail up um the process has changed over the years. I think when I made Miasma, I was still making um, section after section. Sometimes I added something in the north, sometimes in the west, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I also added detail. Um, making maps just with bare, untextured layout was something I started when I made Mutable. Oh, that's interesting. Um, that's quite a late time to sort of completely change. How you build? Yeah, but um, it was also due to Mutabo being vanilla compatible, compatible, and um, before I could um, focus on textures, I would rather focus on the problems with with planes and how much uh -huh. I could get away with draw sex. And the texturing was something that would came up later. Um, in regards to miasma, um, a lot of the detail. Um, as far as I remember, there is less. Um, I always try to make um, not many stuff that uh, actually obscures uh, the player while moving to areas. I prefer to stick to um, lighting. I mean, I think Miasma has a lot of layered lighting on the floor. This is something yeah. that I actually added at the last second. Um, one of these influences I directly got from Sunlast. When you look at, it's not only Rubik's. I think even Danny, Danny has. Danny does it a lot. Map twenty four has a lot of very yeah. strange use of lighting gradients that look really good, but don't make it's any sense it, in terms of actual lighting. It doesn't make any sense at all, but it looks just amazing. Yeah, yeah that's something I just picked up from Danny's maps, and my general approach for. Um, Detailing is 
I like it to be, uh, um, however, um, how can I say, let me think, um, nothing that could um, distract or uh, hinder the player in his movement. Uh, so yeah. better get away with some nice ceiling detail or some lighting on the floor, but nothing. Uh, you you know I hate bumpy floors. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna, I think I have a question later on, but I mean I'll just talk about it now. When I uh, when you were testing for me for Fractured Worlds, I, you were yeah. my main sort of go to person in terms of like does this uh, you know piece of detailing obstruct movement in any way, or is this floor too bumpy or whatever? Because uh, you you always pick up on that stuff yeah it's, uh, i think uh quite a few people um actually consider it as a gameplay element to have these bumpy floors to me it feels more like off-putting off-putting because um in the midst of a fight where you're surrounded by like what i don't know 500 monsters and you can't control right it's just something that can ruin you instantly mm -hmm. and the other thing is if you have any intricate wall details, um, it should be impossible to uh, like step into it. Or it's the worst thing when you have a nice detailed wall and you have a, a cackle corpse that lies on a small, tiny ledge that is only yeah. used for detail. Yeah. Somewhere, kind I don't know, five hundred pixels in the air. It just looks stupid. I don't, I don't like that stuff. And I, that's why I always point out when I play or test the other mappers that it's probably better to block it off yeah i mean it's definitely i take it into account a lot more now after after having you test um fractured worlds because i will now 242 off as much as i can although i do think oh, yeah. that bumpy floors like i mean i have a fight that's based around bumpy floors entirely in map six of that okay. wood um and i think as long as you're plant like as long as there's thought behind the gameplay that's going on with it it's okay uh but you do get a lot of instances where people um We'll just build something that looks cool on the floor and not think at all about it, which can be a real problem. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also a port thing because in GZ Doom you kind of glide across everything, but if uh, if they haven't tested in Boom, Boom is a lot more bumpy and more similar to vanilla. Which I don't know. I um I always stick to Boom. I, I never played GZ Doom, so. Yeah. Um. I had a specific question actually about lighting gradients, which we did touch on. Um, that was uh, that was something you talked about a lot in Miasma, um, and it seems like a lot of the detailing in there, yeah, doesn't really make sense in terms of lighting. Uh, <laughs> like, it just it just looks good. That's the whole point of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I suppose we talked about that. Uh, quite a bit already um i wanted to talk about altitude actually which uh is really uh interesting that you sort of went to make this after miasma and i was wondering if working with vanilla textures and stuff uh for that project was sort of part of cooling off maybe after creating miasma which is sort of very highly <clears throat> detailed and a bit more high concept with like a lot of um sort of custom stuff yeah, it was kind of cooling off. I wouldn't even just say it was cooling off. Um, after making Miasma, I, I mean, originally Miasma was planned to be a set of two or three maps. And at the end of, 
uh, when at the point when uh, the first map of Miasma was released, I kind of fell in a hole. First of all, it was somehow overwhelming for me to get so much big reception, uh, so much good, um, mm -hmm. good reception, and to me it also felt like um, <clears throat> I didn't know how to make something similar without making the same again and um i kept on working on the second map which was named Cas cascade or cascade um which was even three times as large as miasma um, to the point where i probably couldn't have put as much detail in it as in miasma because uh, due to the line limit but yeah. Um, problem was that I just it felt to me like doing the same again, and I don't want it to um, release another map, and everybody would say, "Oh, hey, yeah, that's another great map," uh, but this time it's a red miasma or it's a yellow miasma or whatever color I wanted to pick. I mean, uh, Cascade was supposed to be red. But anyway, um, at the point I even considered calling it a day and give up mapping at all. And the only point I came back was because I remember Jaws in Space asked me to make um, a map for TNT Revolution. And it was just a plain vanilla map. It was something I made, uh, I don't know, in, to me it was pretty quickly when I made a, when I make a map in two or three weeks, it's almost like a speed map. And I, I really suck at speed mapping. I usually take my time. Yeah. I, I made this map pretty quickly and it was just something I made in autopilot. I, I I didn't think about it. I just made it, and it did really cool. And I enjoyed the process of making a vanilla map. And so I got interested in vanilla. I made my vanilla maps before uh, when I worked on Switch Room and Ultimate Doom in the name only. But I never didn't really um, have more enjoyment out of it than making any other map. Um, when I made Altitude, it was kind of like a, a breeder. To be honest, to me, it feels like um, the best map I made because it's a map that is not influenced by any others. I mean, it's, it's a slight love letter to going down, to be honest, but it's probably the most personal map I ever made. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to figure out how 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 you can go with the limits of vanilla. And at the point, I, to be honest, I thought there wouldn't be much, I couldn't be much better, which I, uh, later when I made beautiful, I put the limit even higher. Anyways, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it was kind of something that um, I really enjoyed com compared to working on Cascade, which had more like work for me more like tedious work and i don't want to if i'm if i build something that um i don't enjoy i better give up for good i remember i came back to cascade um one year later and picked it up for a while but then i completely discarded um thinking about uh continu continuing maps like miasma i to be honest i don't think i will ever make anything remotely as detailed or as huge as miasma again I'm really done with this shit. To be honest, I prefer to focus on vanilla mapping nowadays. 
Yeah, it, it really does take a lot out of you. I think, I mean, I've made stuff of similar line count. I don't know that I would consider my stuff to be as detailed as uh, Miasma in terms of... Um, I think your, your structured world um, maps have a really high line count as well. Yeah, there are a couple, but uh, it, I, I don't know. You do tend to just get tired of being in the space, like... You get tired of like being in the texture palette and the the space itself and correcting these little mistakes and these big maps uh they really do kind of take a toll on you for like uh, yeah it a while. can be a quite exhausting that's true yeah because at least if fracture was wasn't too bad because i could bounce around between maps and i deliberately made those maps like quite different thematically for my own enjoyment in making them um and I think that helped a little bit, but entropy for me was the one that that was a bit of a drag towards the end, where I I got really tired of that palette and <laughs> and just working on that map. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I, I can understand it. Yeah. To be honest, I, I never played entropy. Uh, I think I wasn't around by the time. I usually take breaks from Doom World from time to time. I think they mm -hmm. even get longer nowadays. But I wasn't around. I first saw when Swoo played it, and it. Look, just too intimidating for me, too hard. I probably would have to save scum myself to it. But it's a fantastic theme. Um, it looks really, really great. Mm, thanks for saying that. Uh, but I, I think by my standards now, it's probably a little overtuned in terms of difficulty. I think I was still at that point where I was like, I just want to make this like as hard as possible while still making it like yeah. doable. But uh, now I sort of. I think I have like a sweet spot that I want to hit, and and I think it feels a lot better in terms of gameplay for me personally. Yeah, I, my personal formula in terms of difficulty is, um, I have to be able to beat it myself, uh, unless otherwise I won't release it. That's why I always try to never made any uh, real. I mean, I mean, you can see some some parts of. of Miasma are really hard, but I never try to really go overboard. Yeah, my stuff's always been beatable uh, with saves, at least. I don't, I never did, like, a saveless run of Entropy, but uh, Fractured Worlds was all beatable. But, like, it was it yeah. wasn't really FDA-friendly, but it was beatable saveless uh, compared to Entropy. It's, it's, def it's definitely beatable, yeah, especially some of the earlier maps. Yeah. Um, so just back to altitude what's what i think is and i mean it's in the name but what's sort of striking about that project is uh the level of verticality to the map um was that i mean was that your initial concept for it or was it more about like just breaking vanilla like a sort of pushing it to its limits kind of thing um i think it's uh, a bit of both i generally liked um making city maps. I don't know why this, where this comes from. Might be um, in the 90s when I um, had my own real PC. I, I don't know, it was like 96 or 97. I did a lot of, um, like half a year, I did a lot of um, level editing and, and build. I made quite a few maps for Duke, Duke 3D. Oh. Um, it's probably my, my first, um, first time I am, into level editing. I never was any good. I just tried to figure out some stuff and looked at some of the tutorial maps. But uh, I generally made a lot of city maps. I think this probably 
stuck to me throughout the years. Maybe I just like this theme a lot. Anyways, when it comes to altitude, um, the verticality comes first from the point that it's a city map where I wanted just my initial idea was something um, on the way on the likes of uh, being able to jump from building to building. I had to scrap this, these ideas a bit because there are just a lot of things not possible um, due to the limits of vanilla. Mm -hmm. The other thing, um, verticality is also um, one of the one possibility to really bump the the limits of the engine due to um, you can have a lot of planes on your this planes on your screen, but as long as they're on different heights, it uh, doesn't affect the engine, and you can get a, get away with a lot more detail as you would when you had a rather flat or um, linear um, a flat map with uh, less verticality. Um, that's something I figured out during the process of making the map and. So in a way, it's both uh, due to la the, the verticality comes first uh, due to being a city map, and second because um, due to breaking vanilla limits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, uh, mutable kind of builds on everything. It's sort of like a combination of altitude and miasma in a lot of ways, at least in terms of it's a bit higher detail and has a similar texture thing to miasma, but then it has that verticality and then you have this non non-linear aspect to it um was the concept for the starting it because in Yutabor if you start on a different difficulty you're in a different position on the map uh and was that sort of your initial concept for the map or did that come uh after the fact and it was again more about just getting back into that sort of vanilla space as for the uh, different player stuff locations, this was more of an afterthought. Mm -hmm. um, when I started working on it, um, I had the idea of um, making a randomized player start. Um, sounds impossible in vanilla. I just worked around with uh, the problem with uh, a monster controlled hallway, um, which would uh, change. Uh, According to the movement of a monster, there would be some parts that would close off and it would look basically exactly the same. Um, regardless of how which which path to the monster control was was open and which one was closed. But um, it didn't really work out that good or it was quite buggy and mm. the, the idea stick to me and I don't know how I I think it was just a random idea to work with um, difficulty settings and it was um, just the easiest way to uh, add this um, level of uh, complexity without um, much effort. Of course, you have to do, you have to do uh, need a very complex layout where it works to have Different starting positions without um, making making breaking progressions or um, I don't know get stuck in some points. But um, mutable was a very really really open layout and it worked completely flawless. So I thought would would be a good idea to add these different starts in all the skill levels. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about 
Uh, because it, it's not like Miyazu is non linear, but Yutabor is non linear in uh, a different way, I suppose. So I was wondering how how the process was different. So it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting to hear that you did those player starts at the at the end rather than at the beginning, because I presumed you would have sort of planned these routes a little bit uh, to begin with, but mm. but I guess that wasn't the case. No, no. Um, my general plan for Mutable was um, some. I wanted to make a um, really interconnected map with a lot of paths. Um, my general formula was um, everywhere needs to lead to everywhere. That's how I started um, the whole progress. Um, a lot of the way the map is built in very weird angles is more or less because of the limitations and you can't get really large views. The engine would just crash in a second. Yeah. Um, as for the oldest branching path, it's, I don't know, it's something just like with Miasma, I did think a lot about it when I was at work or doing something else. And then I just added the ideas on paper whenever I came home. And I don't know, I, it's, it's hard to explain. I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe it sounds dumb, but uh, I feel like I have like a, maybe I'm have a good feeling how to make these interconnected areas. It's mm. oh, I mean, good into yeah. how, how they work well. It um, definitely seems that you have a, a knack for it. Um, the the color palette for Mutabor is like, I mean, obviously very similar to Miasma. Was that a deliberate decision to tie it back to that original theme, or you said that Cascade that you were working on was going to sort of have a red theme? Had you played yeah. with other color palettes and things like that before making Mutable? Um, Mutable was initially meant to be for a other project, so it had originally a, a other theme that was more blue and purple. Um, I mainly um, went away or tried to make it my own map because I wanted to add more ideas, which probably would have been not really fitting um, for a map in a map set, despite the point that it was a really gigantic map. And I feel better when I um, release something that large on my own and the player can decide if he wants to play it or not. Instead of having it, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of a map set where everybody who likes to play the whole set has to slog to this really, really long map, and in the end, he doesn't even enjoy it. Mm -hmm. I prefer if the the players decide for themselves if they want if they want to play my stuff. Um, that's why I wanted to make it a single release. Um, so, um well, uh, just that. Um, I also can get away with much more things I would like to try and like to test that are maybe a bit more uncommon and would probably feel weird in a, in a, in a map set. And I like to do my own stuff. I mean, like, uh, for example, in Mutable, I, I added this uh, HNTR where everything was just a really wild hit scan mode where you only had the, had the chain gun. This is something you can do in, in the map set with other mappers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even playing with things like palette and stuff yeah. uh, isn't something that you can really 
you you're sort of beholden to whatever the the resource pack is for the community project and such. Anyways, um, the theme for Mutable was more of a afterthought. Uh, to be honest, I feel like the texturing in Mutable is quite lazy. Um, I really wish I would have come up with more variation and interesting ideas. I did try out quite a few bits, but nothing really felt like it would fuse together well in the grand scheme. And um, so I just made it in the same fashion as Miasma, where I thought it worked really well, just brown and green slept over everywhere. And it's quite confusing at some points because Miasma has more landmarks where it can orientate. So Mutable mm -hmm. has like that, which is probably quite a bit confusing when you play it. But at the end, I just got even a bit tired of making and I thought, yeah, I don't know. I just leave this texture team and that's it. Well, I, I mean, I definitely did get lost a lot, but I think that was on me <laughs> more, more than the next thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure a lot of people got lost in that map. So, yeah. yeah. I think I ended up finding nearly every secret though from memory. I did uh oh, I did put that's uh, impressive. a decent amount of time into into looking around that map. Um impressive. So uh you talked about sort of obstructive uh like detailing and stuff and bumpy floors and <laughs> sort of some of your takes on on gameplay. Um and I suppose that you're not necessarily focused on challenge, but I was wondering, uh, with something like Miasma, which is maybe a little more combat-focused than Mutabor, I was wondering what your um, what it was like developing encounters in that map, and what your general kind of process is for developing uh, like actual fights, I suppose. Um. A lot of the encounters in Miasma can lead back to Star Day 20XX. Um, mm. I did a lot of, um, I mean, when you, you can say, um, like Sunder and Combat Shop were like the holy grails that brought me into mapping and started, but started 20XX was like um, the Bible I cited from for many years. I even still, it's, it's probably the, the most influencing map set that um, I've played and it's still the one I'm the most fondest of. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of encounters were directly a bit homage even towards Stardate 20XX without um, trying to emulate or copy the exact fight. I mean, if I look at um, the map I made with uh, for Ocula, um, the final fight for the map I made for Ocula and map two, it's probably the only map where I just straight out joined, uh, stole from, uh, I don't I think it was started map four or map five. The final fight of this map is just a recent copy of started map uh, 20xx map five. Or, I don't is know. That the, new kitch, the, the new kitch fight? Is that the one? Um, Nah, not, not in Yukich. Um, I'm, I'm talking about the uh, Cosmo Local at uh, the map for, for Ocular. I made for Ocular. Oh, I was thinking. I was trying to think of what the Stardate 2066 map five fight is. You're talking about the final fight of that map, or? Yeah, it's 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 like an L 
bedroom and I made this I made the Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. I remember it. Anyways, um, Miasma, um, none of the fights was um, directly inspired by anything. I just take a lot from ideas and base concepts from story. I just try to make something in a similar fashion or I don't know. Probably the most um, most influential. Yeah, there is um, a, there's a mastermind fight in... Stardate 2066 that I always remember and because it's one of the best uses of, of masterminds that I've seen and Miasma also has a really good mastermind fight in it that I also reference as one of the better mastermind usages in a map so now I'm wondering if that's why because it was sort of influenced by maybe that fight not as far as I remember <laughs> I think the, the mastermind fight in Miasma was I I don't know. The mastermind is always such a rather useless monster, yep. and I always make something interesting with it. <laughs> and to be honest, this the mastermind fight is my favorite um, encounter in the whole map. Just simply because um, even during my testing, I only had like a sixty or seventy percent chance to beat it. There was um, no real chance to that I could beat it consistently. It was even a point of argument between um, me and Archie and Rivix, where Archie was really demanding it to be nerfed, and Rivix was just like, oh, yeah, I like it. Leave it that way. And <laughs> I just went with, with Rivix because I loved the fight so much and just left it untouched. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely... It does sort of have that feeling where you, not I wouldn't say, it doesn't feel like it's luck or RNG or anything, but it feels like if you screw up early in that fight, you are kind of just uh, burned for the rest of it. <laughs> like, you, you can't really bring that fight back. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's right. But uh, I think it might it might be my favorite fight. That fight and the the big tower encounter at the end, obviously, that's a really good one. Um. I don't, I don't like the tower encounter that much for myself. It's a bit messy. It was even messier in, in, in the earlier versions that only the test is played, but I Did don't you... like it much. It looks nice. I'm curious how much testing went into... I'm assuming you went through and beat everything without BFG, uh, because I um... remember getting to that fight without with only the plasma gun, and I was like, well, I think I've got to go back and get BFG, because I, I struggled for sure. <laughs> yeah, I tested without BFG. Mm -hmm. um, it, it in the first alpha version it was even harder there were like a ton of pain elementals that I removed later on I think um, Archie really hated the fight and <laughs> Ribix, Ribix <laughs> had to really slog himself he, he beat it in the end but he really had to slog himself through it so I thought nah that's too much I, I'm gonna nerf it and that's why I made it a bit tame yeah Archie's a good tester because he uh, he doesn't mince words he tells you what he thinks. Yeah, that's what I like. That's what I like about him the most. He is always deadly honest, and it's nothing I appreciate more like real dead honesty. I don't need any ass kissery. Yeah, it's... I don't care if someone. I don't care if someone says it's good. I prefer more if someone has something uh, really, really harsh or honest to say, which in the end makes the makes work I'm doing better. And that's why I always appreciate Archie, Archie's opinion. 
Yeah, I think like in like I was pretty selective when I sort of picked who I wanted to test my stuff, and it was generally people that I had, like I respected their maps or that I had worked with before and stuff, and and uh, who I knew like they would give me like an honest opinion on it. Um, and I think it's like pretty important when you're making stuff to have testers that you can you can trust. Yeah, that's true. I see it the same way. Yeah. Um, so for Ocular, I, I definitely saw like a little bit of the ins and outs of that process. You had like a basic layout for Bemuse to detail, I believe, uh, sort of a big untextured yeah. map. <clears throat> it, it wasn't a basic layout in the beginning. Um, to be first, um, the, the part of the layout, uh, Bemuse got from me, um, was I actually never told him this, but it's uh, like 25% of Cascade. It's something ah, I did way, okay. way back in um, 2015. Nah, uh, not nah, nah, 2016. Um, it's just basically the, the best part from the layout. There was a lot more to it, but it was less sketched out and a lot of it didn't make any, not that much sense at that point. Um, but it was textured. I just removed all the textures before I sent it over uh, to Bimuse. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, well, I suppose in the same token as Rubik's, I was wondering what the what the collaborative process with you and Bemuse was like uh, for that WOD. Um, and because you already had that big structured layout, uh, how did it work in terms of, like, was it similar to you and Rubik's? So you sent the map back and forth, or...? Was it mostly Bemuse uh, working on your layer? It was mostly Bemuse working on it. I mean, it, as far as I remember, I originally just dumped this part of the layout when there was a bit of discussion about a, a successor for Flotsam. I don't know, I forgot the name. Was it Jetsam? Yeah, Jetsam was what it was going to be. Uh, I just dumped it in there because I had no use for it and Bemuse instantly Sprung, out, sprung on it and said, hey, yeah, I want to work on it. And he just took this part of the layout, which was basically just two large buildings uh, surrounded by a few mountains. And he started building the rest of the map around it, all the surrounding mountains. There was no gameplay. There was no texturing. He, he basically did almost everything. He showed me a lot of the progress. Um, I tested it and that's basically all I did. I really liked um, what he what he made. I I was glad he had such a enthusiasm from the little bit of lines I sent him. And for sure, I think then Zul or I don't know if it was Zul or Bemused who came up with the idea just to join this map with the other map. I mean the map that was that became map two was I also originally dumped for Jetsam. And I really didn't care much about it. And then, I don't know, it's, it was either Zool or Bemused who came up with the idea to just combine them into a small set and maybe add some more. And I, I really liked the idea for, um, I'm quite burnt out still from mapping, but for a short time it kind of sparked again my enjoyment in mapping and I started working on something else. It didn't unfortunately work out in the end, but I was still happy that Bemused had quite a good time and enjoyed working on it. It's, 
in the end it's all that matters yeah i do i do remember him being very uh excited to work with you i think i think for all of us um miasma is just such a huge deal in terms of uh it's it's definitely one of the most like polished maps in the genre i guess uh it just every sort of nook and cranny of it feels like there was thought put into it and and i think like yeah. that's what a lot of us appreciated about it i'm 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 very like like how can you say very pedantic very pedantic i yeah. i'm a lot more forgiving uh, in terms of uh, every aspect that could go wrong in a map when i play something from another from another author but when it comes to my own work i'm really really ambitious and pedantic and everything has to be perfect uh, there's no way around it yeah i but think it's... i'm i'm similar but um i think my process is maybe a bit messier than yours and i end up <laughs> having to iterate and sort of fix things uh later down the line a little bit <laughs> yeah maybe it gets, it gets better over the years uh, I didn't start out as as flawless. I don't know. It's, it's it sounds dumb to call your own maps flawless, but I mean, I I did start uh, amateurish, just as every other. I just didn't release all my really really bad maps. <laughs> I was smart enough not to release them. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have. I sort of started mapping with Doomcat95 back when I was a, a kid, and there were definitely some real gems back then. I don't know. I, I don't know about Doomcat. I wish I would have had access to a Doom Editor back in the 90s. would have been interesting. Mm -hmm. but... It was horrible. It was a horrible program. But um, Okay. <laughs> it definitely told me, like, the patience required for, for making Doom maps, because <laughs> it just used to crash everything you did. You had to draw everything. No, um, if you wanted to draw like a, a room, it had to be drawn clockwise, or it wouldn't work. Um, you had to, if you wanted to draw a sector within another sector, you had to. So you draw the outer sector, then the inner one, and then you had to go over in a different mode. You had to go over each line again for oh, God. the sectors within sectors. Yeah. It was rough. Sounds very horrible. <laughs> you couldn't delete line defs or it would crash. You couldn't mass select things. Uh, you had to click on them all manually to select them one by one. <laughs> so they would, they would select That's... together. It was, uh, it was awful. Old Doom editing tools. It's the same like with, um, I don't know if you ever worked with XWE, but it's what also, oh, it was God, also one did, of those yeah. that could easily corrupt your whole file. Push <laughs> the wrong... <laughs> The wrong button or something <laughs> yeah it was like the preemptor to slade for anyone who hasn't used it yeah it did sort of I a lot still of the same to... lump editing but um i still used to work with it in my early years thank god we have slade nowadays i think for a while it actually did a couple of things that slade couldn't do and so sometimes i would have to pull it out to do stuff but uh, like the functionality was okay but like you said it would sometimes just corrupt a file and just crash and destroy everything uh, which is not really what yeah. you want. <laughs> no. Um, I was going to ask about sort of theme in your maps um, in terms of uh, custom palettes and bringing in other sort of custom things. Like, it's only a small thing, but like you change the chain gunner in Miasma, for instance, so that he'd be green. Uh, like you use a custom sprite and, and things like that. I was just wondering... Um, 
in terms of that bringing that kind of custom stuff in uh how like important do you think those elements are to like creating a theme for, for your projects it's probably probably not important i just think it's a nice element to underline underline your current theme i mean if you would take every monster and just recolor it green it would look dumb but it's mm -hmm. like for the change it's it's a light it's a nice accent that um just fits right and perfectly like um immutable why i where i just recolored all the little health flasks and the mega mega sphere and i know i think it was it was a supercharge but yeah like a few sprites with a fitting color it, it kind of gently just helps building up a coherent theme that's why i like it and in terms of palette is that something i suppose usually like you've used green a lot throughout but um uh yeah do you that's... usually use the vanilla palette i'm not sure if there are any actual changes in in palette have you worked with I... custom palettes with i just never really got into palette editing at the point when um i was just uh, in my early days of mapping i simply didn't like to make uh, something that would be kind of a color ripoff with uh, of star date or mm -hmm. i don't know i think i picked green because it was something that really is um just fits doom perfectly it's something everyone can relate to and it's just simple and you can make some nice themes with it i never tried any other color teams just because um i don't know how to edit palettes and i just don't want it to be someone who tries to rip off Stardate or I don't know any other color team maps that pop up nowadays. I just mm -hmm. wanted to make something of my own. Well, yeah, it seems like that sort of being original is like a big part of your your mapping process. Like you you said, you don't really like to make the same thing twice. Yeah, it's not interesting. To... Mm -hmm. And do you think there's any likelihood that sort of cascade? makes its way out into the world or do you think it'll continue to be maybe like picked apart for other projects or something no there's nothing much to pick apart from it bemused already had uh, the most detailed part of the layout the rest was just basics i, I don't know it's it wasn't basic there was quite a bit of detail and uh very uh, curvy like curvy layout parts but um uh, it wasn't really worth working on it. I mean, somebody else would probably probably say, "Yeah, it's great. I want to work with it," but it wasn't interesting for me. And <laughs> that's kind of the. Important I'm glad Bemused did something with it, and that's fine for me. I have an I have a ton of unfinished layouts, and for some, I can say maybe I want to get back to them at some point. So I try to hoard or keep them for myself but um in terms of cascade i don't think it's worth working on it huh. and, and like i said i don't want to make another miasma i'm not interested in that. so do you think you've moved away from because you it seems like you sort of like these large singular kind of releases do you think now uh that's something that you like want to move away from and maybe 
if you did sort of want to come back and make some maps, it might be something more in the vein of like a few small maps or, or something like that. Yeah, I don't. At the moment, I'm still. I mean, I've, I think I'm now away for like one and a half years where I'm not really active in the Doom community. Mm-hmm. I'm still not. Uh, I feel like rather burnt out. I don't really. And I don't get me wrong, I, you made really good maps, but I noticed this when I tested, uh, for example, Fractured Worlds. It's just regardless of how, how good the stuff is, I just. I'm still tired of this game. It's just yeah. not enough fun for me. And the same goes for mapping. I still have a lot of ideas in my head. I'm still, I haven't opened the editor for the last one and a half years, but uh, sometimes I just pick up some random ideas and uh, try to do some dehack stuff. Uh, I'm doing a bit of brainstorming for a small vanilla map set, but it's not any close from being started working on. Mm. So it will take a bit more time before I really get back into working or releasing something. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how a lot of mappers seem to end up going back down that vanilla route, actually. Uh, like Benjo Gami, for instance, going back and making Down the Drain, and uh, I think Zal ended up making some sort of vanilla sort of map uh, some I don't know with Zol bases. Uh, I think Scotty's... that was vanilla or something. Uh, Nah, I don't think so. But it, but it's cool as well. I don't know if, if Scotty's Sidonia is vanilla or if it's another company. I think it is. But anyway, company. But um, yeah, I suppose it like it. It's just interesting to see people wanting to go back down that route. I was wondering if like. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I I haven't played both. Or I think as for Zul, uh, even Horizon was the last thing I'm. I, Played, but um, as for Benjo and Scotty making their own map sets and being different and, and trying to make another large slaughter map or something, it's a really cool. I like it. I think everybody should uh, at some point try to make something of its own or something that really feels uh, puts his heart and his own ideas into it. I really like that. I'm glad they both did it, uh, released those map sets. It's cool. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, for Scotty, definitely, Sidonia is like, uh, when I talk to him, like, just him getting back to his sort of Plutonia roots and stuff, and this thing he made in the background yeah. while he was making other stuff, and and for Ben, too, definitely, um, that sort of whole vibe feels very, very Benju. Uh, I haven't played Down the Train, I just saw Sweet, Sweet P play a bit of it, but it's uh-huh. really cool, it's uh, some fun ideas, to be honest. Yeah, it's. I think it's my. I think I said to him that um, it is probably my favorite thing that he's put out, uh, which I was surprised by because I'm not a huge vanilla player myself. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really knows? loved it. Maybe you, maybe you will come at some point. Who knows? <laughs> I think yeah, Rubik's made a joke about it actually because a lot of people were making these sort of vanilla things, and he was saying that I'd be next and I'd be making some vanilla project before I knew it, but. I haven't caught the bug yet. No. <laughs> I gotta make my Ribbix E1 should... remake. Would be interesting to see Rivix make something. In the stuff. But I think I don't think this will happen. I just tried to convince him at some point, but I think he's not interested enough. I think, yeah, Rivix is... Uh, he really loves what you can do with Boom, I think. I think it's sort of the right amount of limitations mm. for him. And, and he really loves playing with Voodoo Closets and... Uh, 
Yeah, it's not only Boom, but it's also the stuff he uh, discovers. Do I think the most uh, amazing thing he discovered recently was um, these uh, exploding actors where you can put them in a two for two, and it's like an inst instant instant death sector. It's something absolutely <laughs> amazing. Yeah, he um, originally he had that. Uh, he released that map that had the sort of insta kill flaws uh, in it. But uh, originally it was a map for haste, I think. So that nearly ended up in haste, that, that feature. But um, I think he ended up doing a solo release instead. Yeah, but it's great you figured it out. Just as like um, those... Uh, I, I don't remember where he ended up putting the map somewhere. But I, I recall he sent me an early um, layout with these uh, where you could uh, fire rockets into the wall and they would come back to you. Uh -huh, I remember yeah. when, when he was still working on that image and sent me just a plain, a plain map. Uh, oh, he had his feature in it. Oh, that's really, really, really freaking cool idea. Yeah, Wormwood. I think Extended Universe ah, is where yeah. it ended up. Yeah, yeah it was Wormwood. Wormwood he made it for. Yeah, that's a really cool project in general. Uh, both the original and extended universe for me was probably, uh, I like I really love that map set, especially map four with with the that midi he made, and uh, it's a really it's a really cool map. Uh, Rubik's and Rubik's midis in general are really really interesting. Yeah, uh, have you played Jumpwad at all? Actually, you just released that with a uh, grain of salt. Uh, no, I haven't played any of the recent releases. Uh, I mm -hmm. I watched. I watched Derek play a bit of it. It's a bloody amazing idea. I mean, whoever thought you would uh, combine Super Mario with Doom, it's Rubik's uh, <laughs> and Grain of Salt just did it. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, it's just super unique. And, and again, it's a yeah. testament to like his, uh, his need to sort of break Boom down as much as possible. I mean, it ended up being MBF, but I, I believe originally it was Boom compatible. There were just a couple of things he needed. Um, that uh to make it function and like certain things needed uh mbf in order to function properly but um yeah i think uh i think originally it worked in boom and just crazy that he manages to get this stuff to work yeah a true genius <laughs> uh so i guess just to finish up i ask everybody the same question which is uh i've had fairly different answers so far but um I'm curious what your favorite monster in Doom is, and why. Uh, to be honest, I can't give you a real answer to that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't really have a real favorite monster. I think they all have their usefulness in some way or some degree, except for maybe Keen or DSS. But if I would name something. Uh, it's probably the worst monster to use, but I really, really like Masterminds, <laughs> and I always like to a mastermind fight that is somewhat uh, functional and good in my maps. I tried it with Miasma, I tried it with Altitude, I tried it with Mutabor, and I think it's probably something I want to try in later maps as well. So I don't know, as dumb as it may sound, but uh, I, I kind of like the mastermind. Well, I wonder if that comes from your Danny Babingi influence, because I always think of him as someone who uses them really well. Like Combat Shock has some really uh, good mastermind oh, yeah. fights. Where maybe, maybe, really maybe, maybe it, it was a subtle influence. Mm. It's, maybe it's just a happy coincidence. I don't know. Well, maybe. Sounds like there's been a few. Um, 
well yeah I, thanks so much for coming on uh it was great yeah, to talk to you um, and uh i mean like i said you were a really big influence on me like breathless and entropy were both very influenced by my as right i in terms of like building those maps i would a lot of the time just sort of go into the editor and, and look at sort of id like me as were in terms of ideas for detailing and how you use lighting gradients and things so uh, yeah, it was great to well, be able to sort of pick your brain. Uh, to be honest, personally, I don't feel like I did anything groundbreaking. I just picked pieces from all the mappers I liked or that influenced me. I put it all in a pot and stirred it and made something new. I, I mean, I, I Which, think that's what we all end up doing, really, at the end of the day. Uh, but no, sure, it's, it's, I'm glad I could inspire in a way. Though I don't think I did anything that would inspire that much. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, it, was, it was nice to have a chat. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, it was fantastic. Um, uh, <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess that is it for this episode. So, thanks again, Tourniquet. Um, and we'll finish up here. So, yeah, catch you later. <laughs>